Hey, welcome back to another episode of Leadershipping. You know, we've covered a wide range of topics since starting the show, but there's one that we really haven't given its due yet. And that one has dominated industry conversations, whether it's in the press or at uh, industry conventions. And that topic is on carrier diversification. I think shippers are ready to get away from a duopoly of FedEx and UPS that acts like a monopoly a bit. And this has really helped fuel the growth of regional carriers around the United States. Joining us to talk about the regional and alternative carrier market is one of the most prominent experts on the topic, Tamor Eli Gulashvili. Tamor, welcome to the show. Hey, Caleb. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Tamor is the president and founder of Logistics Remix, a carrier representative company. Tamor, why don't you tell us a little bit about what that means and what is Logistics Remix? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Logistics Remix, uh, we help uh, retailers and 3PLs bring new delivery providers into their network to save on costs, improve delivery performance, and ultimately drive mutual success. You know, prior to founding the company, um, I, I, I have 20 years experience in, in the logistics space. So I've been um, at a regional carrier, Lone Star Overnight. I was at a multi-carrier shipping software system player called Shipping Easy and had some other stints at logistics companies such as U-Ship, like a global Seat Robinson yeah. and, and others. So, um, yeah, excited to talk about this uh, uh, topic that I think is uh, near and dear to both of our hearts. Yeah, me too. I think it's one of those things that, as I mentioned, you're we're lucky to have you because you're one of the most prominent experts on this topic. And with your ba background that you just mentioned there with C.H. Robinson, Echo Global, U-Ship, uh, Shipping Easy, Lone Star, you name it, your job over the last 20 years seems to have been providing customers with the option of choice. I, it, it, it seems like if you had a theme, that's probably what it what it would be. I, I'm, I'm really, you know, curious on from your perspective, what has fueled the growth of regional or alternative carriers in recent years? So I think in my mind, it's it really comes down to three things uh, that that happened um, over just the last three years, um, e-commerce grew by 50%, right? So we had yeah. some of the fastest growth in e-commerce um, in, in over 20 years, so just just in, just in three. Um, and all had to do with, with the pandemic, people staying home, people shopping more online, and you saw the rise in e-commerce just, just boom. With that, uh, when, you know, that demand goes up, and as we know, there's the capacities constraint, uh, UPS, FedEx, the national carriers, they just couldn't handle all the volume uh, yeah. that the retailers were looking to ship. And as you recall, uh, a couple of years ago, Carol Tomei, the CEO of UPS, made the statement just before peak season, basically saying to everyone, hey, look, we've got uh, 5 million more daily packages to deliver than there's capacity. And you look, at the end of the day, what does that mean? Well, that's, that's a message to all retailers that says we're not going to be able to deliver all those packages you want to ship, all those orders your customers are placing. Yeah. Um, and that message, I think, was received pretty loud and clear. I mean, I've heard stories from retailers that basically said, yeah, you, you know, we had trucks picking up, but half my orders were just sitting on the dock. Yeah, um, I've heard the same. I've heard the same stories. And it's a night uh, that, that was a nightmare situation for a lot of those retailers. 
Oddly enough, these are not small retailers. These are not, you know, where UPS or FedEx are, are saying, hey, we're going to protect our biggest, largest accounts. It was almost a hindrance to be an enterprise shipper in that moment. <laughs> they were getting hit some of the hardest. Um, and without alternative options, I'm sure they felt like they were up a creek. Oh, no, for, for sure. I mean, it was kind of uh, desperate times. Uh, yeah. To you know, it was good times from the standpoint that orders were moving, um, you know, upwards. But it was bad because if you if you have half your orders that can't get get out the door, uh, that builds up and builds up very quickly. Uh, that backlog is huge. Um, yeah. So look, I think I was, I was saying three things. So so one is that growth in e-commerce. You know, the second one was that you know I, I think capacity was just majorly constrained. Uh, to the point that uh, we just discussed. And um, I think the, the third one, um, what we saw was uh, that, you know, over the last three years, we saw a rise in kind of private equity and venture capital interest yeah. in, in this market, right? I mean, it's, you know, usually it's, it's a technology play for those companies, but we saw an interest in investing in regional parcel carriers. So there's Regional parcel carriers that probably didn't exist over over seven years ago, uh, that were well funded, uh, that that were able to take that funding, expand their services, expand into new markets. But I should also add, it's not only new carriers that that uh, new regional, new alternative carriers that came to rise in the market. It was also existing players, right? We have uh, you got to remember that some of these regional carriers we're talking about um, were have been around for 30, 40, 50 years. And, and many of them were initially focused on just B2B delivery. So think like commercial deliveries, like payroll checks, architectural drawings, uh, you know, legal documents, something that needed to be overnighted next day uh, to, to the customer, you know, things that uh, essentially where the need is kind of going away, right? If you think about all the things that I just mentioned, a lot of them are pretty much you've got technology solutions for. And so you saw these carriers that have been around that are, that are serving a certain region uh, for 30, 40, 50 years, transition their business uh, to, to uh, uh, deliver e-commerce and residential packages. And so kind of, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the combination of the e-commerce growth, combination of money flowing into the market and, and, and propping up new carriers and then, uh, you know, existing carriers kind of shifting their focus more into e-commerce. Uh, I think you kind of saw uh, a rise in fuel growth in, in these alternative carriers. Yeah, uh, they saw a really interesting stat around your, your comment with the private equity and uh, VC funding that has gone into kind of bolster the, the parcel regional carrier ecosystem that over $280 billion has been raised since 2018. Which is crazy to me. I mean, that is a massive amount of money that's been raised in that short period of time. And I would bet the majority of that money was raised from, you know, 2020 to 2023 after COVID had hit and uh, everybody started to experience pain on not getting their shipments there on time, getting it there damage free or getting it there, you know, sometimes even picked up at all like we talked about. And I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned e-commerce quite a few times. 
is e-commerce the only, you know, industry or, or business group that should be diversifying their carrier mix today? I think, you know, I think it really depends, right? It's, uh, I think it really depends on the definition of what is uh, considered to be a diversified carrier mix. Um, yeah. Like, like to me, uh, just having two carriers for a single service type such as Crown is, uh, you know, would be considered diversified, right? So uh, if you look at, look around, pretty much every single business that's, well, let's just say not a startup, but just up and running, uh, that ships parcel on a regular basis should probably have some level of carrier diversification. And um, uh, now, of course, that doesn't apply to everyone. If you're just getting started and you only have a couple orders going out the door every day, the focus should probably be on on growing sales and marketing and, and your product. Uh, yeah. Not so much thinking about how to, how to diversify your carrier mix. That that can come later when when you've uh, uh, you've got your brand uh, brand out there and, and your brand story and your revenue is growing. But pretty much every business that's established, that's that's growing or that's stable, that's shipping parcel, could probably leverage a diversified carrier mix. And you know when I think about it, right? So so there's the who can leverage it, and I think again, it's pretty much everyone. Um, but why, why, why do it? Right. So I, I think about why should they diversify their carrier mix? Uh, I've got this model in my, uh, that, that I've shared uh, before, um, with, um, with people. And I think, uh, you know, I call it the three C's, right? So the three C's stand for cost capacity and, and capability. Yeah, and so on cost, yeah, let me get the breakdown uh, of, of the three C. So on the cost side, um, well, that, I think that's just like an easy one to get behind, right? Uh, so a lot of regional alternative carriers have um, they have very efficient operating models. And so they're not spending uh, money uh, or any, maybe even not any dollars uh, on running marketing or, or TV ads, right? So they're typically run very lean. Uh, their cost structures are, are run as lean as possible, and that allows them to be a lot more aggressive and competitive when it comes to pricing uh, the business uh, and pricing their offerings. Capacity, I mean, that's self-explanatory. Just that example we spoke about with the 5 million packages and, and, and retailers not being able to get orders off the dock. I mean, no one wants to get stuck in that situation ever again, yeah. right? So, um you've got one carrier uh, and that carrier what, uh, calls you and tells you, hey, we can't pick up tomorrow or we can only take half your orders. That's it. You're stuck. And so that's a huge benefit to have. Now, we don't know when, when that situation could come up again, right? So it's not one of those that may be an issue today, uh, but uh, who knew that was going to be an issue three years ago, yeah, right? right? And so yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's just more risk mitigation. Uh, and the third C capability, and this is the one that's more interesting to me. So it's can't, you know, capability can be everything else. Like what are the features of that carrier? What are the true benefits aside from cost and capacity? So can the carrier provide faster delivery times? Yeah. Uh, can they provide better performance? Are they easier to work with? Do they have some technology features that the recipients and the consumers prefer over the someone else? So again, kind of uh, summarizing the three C's, it's, it's cost, capacity, capabilities. Those to me uh, are really the, the three main reasons why someone should should be considering diversifying carry mix and if they already diversify, kind of making sure that they truly are diversified, right? Because everyone's definition is going to be a little bit different based on the three C's.
Yeah, and I, I, I love that approach, actually. And I love the structure of, of keeping those three C's in mind. And what, I, what I've always kind of had some conversations with clients around is if you can nail all three of those, it's a, it's a home run. But two out of three isn't bad either, right? And if you can structure it in a way that, um, hey, look, if it's not maybe faster transit time, maybe if it's standard similar transit time to what you're experiencing today, but it, it you know, reduces your, your, your overall risk and significantly reduces your overall cost, take it. I mean, I, I think th- those, are, those are some awesome things to keep in mind, especially when you're, when you're looking at a new carrier contract and you're, you're trying to, to do that hard work to analyze it. Part of what I hear from shippers all the time is, hey, look, I understand the benefits of carrier diversification, but there's some challenges to that as well. Can you outline some of those challenges of what shippers face when they go from single sourcing to diversifying? And I'm meaning diversification in adding a new carrier to the mix that you weren't using before. What are some of the challenges that shippers run into when they try to do that? Yeah, so so let's start with our customer experience because I think that's that's the most important, right? At the end of the day, if the delivery uh, is not successful, uh, that customer may not return as a repeat customer. And so, and the way e-commerce businesses grow these days is is through repeat buying. Right. Uh, so very ex- important to touch on customer experience. So how do you how can you maintain the consistent customer? Uh, experience across those multiple delivery providers, even adding another additional pro- provider. But how do you maintain that consistency across your brand? And so there's a couple different ways, right? So one is just make sure you have, uh, I always tell shippers and the, the, the kind of top of the class shippers I work with, they have a cons- uh, an SOP, right? A standard operating procedure that they share with their um, with their carriers, right? Whether they have two carriers, 10 carriers, doesn't matter, right? Make sure everyone knows what to do uh, when there's an exception to a delivery or what have you, right? So that that consistent SOP, I think, is is really important. I also think it's important. I, th- I always try to do this: is in, make sure you're introducing the teams from the carriers and the teams from the retailer that are going to be working together, right? Mm-hmm. If there's an issue uh, that comes up, you want the people to know each other that are going to be resolving that issue because they're going to get it done very quickly. And I think three, again, if you're placing two order, you know, I think a consistent tracking experience is important, right? So if you're placing two orders and one gets shipped by carrier A and another one gets shipped by carrier B, you don't want to have to, as a consumer, go to two different web pages to track those orders. You want to track them all in one place. So I think, you know, coming back to that customer experience, keeping it consistent, having the right SOP that's shared across all, making sure everyone knows who to work with is, is critical. Um, operationally, I think it's, is important, um, uh, you know, because operationally, how do you make sure the goals are being met, right? So how do you ensure one, that the package gets to the right carrier, right? Cause that's where it starts. If, yeah. if that package gets off the dock and it's misshipped and, and you've got, you know, for example, a UPS package that ends up in the hands of another carrier. That point uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah forget delivery speed, you've got to figure out how to get that package back and and out to the right carrier. Uh, So that's important is is the dock operations, getting it to the right carrier. Uh, Setting SLAs, right? So what are the performance SLAs, the goals that you want to hit, making sure that you're managing, uh, measuring what you want to manage, right? If you're not measuring it, you're not managing is the old adage. Um, Measuring uh, to those performance SLAs 
and ensuring that uh, things like invoicing is done correctly, right? So if you've negotiated a really great deal and you know you're going to get charged a certain amount, if you get charged a different amount, making sure that you, you, know, you have oversight into that. Uh, and you can catch that early on. So operational kind of setup is really important to navigate some of the challenges. And I, let me have one more. I think technology, and you probably know this one really well, right? So ultimately, the technology is like, how do you make it work? Like, yeah. what, what is it that is going to make this thing work? It's the tech. Uh, without the tech, it's really hard to get multiple a multiple carrier strategy, right? It's, it's hard to manage the, the consistency. So making sure the integrations can be done. And, and streamlined and, and are working uh, working well, that the business roles are in place and the technology that, uh, let me define the business roles, right? It's, it's if, if I'm shipping to state, state, Texas, for example, use carrier A, if I'm shipping to Illinois, use carrier B, right? So, or if I need overnight delivery, here's, here's the carrier I'm gonna use. So setting up the right business roles that are gonna route the packages to the right carriers is, is critical. And, and I always say, don't set it and forget it uh, because you do that uh, and all of a sudden things kind of spiral out of control. Yeah, your business changes, the carriers change. You've got uh, additional items that you know uh, might've come up that uh, what worked for you 24 months ago doesn't work for you today. And I, I think exactly. that's the beautiful part of like, using the right technology is being nimble enough to make those changes on the fly. Um, otherwise, you left, you know, wondering, hey, why are my average cost per packs going up, you know, 40-50%? And it started happening a year ago. A lot of shippers are, are kind of behind the eight ball when they when they really should be in front leading. And I, I see that in a lot of ways. I also see a lot of shippers struggle because they're not using, you know, a rating engine or a TMS for the parcel side that can manage multiple carriers in one spot. I think, I think that should be number one, which is, hey, look, if you're looking at bringing on additional carriers, get away from using UPS's world ship system or FedEx's ship manager or you know, an in-house that might only uh, provide a rate back to one. Um, you, you need to be able to rate shop between multiple and have the ability to create labels between multiple carriers. One thing that I really love that you said uh, around, you know, operationally is getting everybody on the same page, creating those those uh, SOPs that you can be able to say, this is what we expect. And having conversations between the regional carriers you plan on bringing in and your teams to make sure that you, everybody has a, a good understanding of, of what to expect. I don't think enough shippers do that. And I love that call out. That's a great one. Yeah, I would highly encourage, especially in the beginning stages of onboarding a new carrier, is is putting together some kind of meet and greet calls, yeah. right? Those onboarding calls, those kickoff calls, whatever you call it at your company, just just have it, right? Hold it under exchange contact information, make the introductions, ask questions like, "Hey, what do we do in case X happens? What if, what do we do if we need to change an address when our recipient moves? How do we do that? How do we how do we do X, Y, and Z?" Because I think when everything's fine great and no one has to talk but when when there's an issue right you gotta very quickly resolve it how do you do it you gotta know the right people to go to yeah and you have to have good rapport with those people so uh highly recommend at the beginning of any kind of uh, onboarding uh, introducing the teams that are going to work together closely yeah i think a lot of a lot of us might you know forget that um or put too much emphasis on the fact that you know, it's about the technology or it's about the rates. 
or it's about, you know, this particular service. At the end of the day, it's about relationships between you and your partner carriers. And that relationship uh, needs to be strong, um, which means it's not a, you know, some of the best relationships are not one-sided, which I think in a lot of ways, when I talk to shippers today, they get, they're tired of it being one-sided with, uh, if they're using FedEx or UPS or some of the primary carriers, um, because they feel like they, they've lost a little bit of control or the, the, the costs are skyrocketing, or they feel like their ability of, of additional options or choices out there are limited. And some of the best relationships are, it's a two-way street. Yeah, I, big time. That's a, that's a great call out. I, I'm curious, what, what led you to found Logistics Remix? And what exactly does your company do? Yeah, so ha- happy to share some, some information. Um, so Logistics Remix, um, we, we work with retailers and 3PLs, uh, again, to bring, to bring new carriers into their network. Uh, the goals are saving money, improving service, and ultimately driving mutual success. Uh, we're now going into the, the third, uh, third year in business. Uh, so excited about that. Excited about uh, seeing the, the growth of my company and the customers that I'm helping out on, on a daily basis. I really take a customer first approach. I, I've, I, at least I think I've, uh, and I've been told they'll great relationships with customers they care about those relationships to your point earlier it's a two-way street right and customers want to know that they're going to be taken care of and, and a lot of times that just means uh that they've got someone on the other side that's that's gonna help them give them good news bad news and and but but when there's issues urgently help them get through them and resolve any issues i'll tell you a little bit about kind of well, the carrier side. So typically, you know, I, I mentioned that, that we're working with retailers, helping them bring carriers on board. And but then there's also the carrier piece and the delivery company piece. And so on the carrier and delivery provider side, typically we partner with companies uh, that are regional alternative carriers to the nationals. Uh, their advantages are typically in the in the shorter zones, so zone two, three, sometimes zone two through four. Yeah. Uh, delivery. So those are your shorter distances, your, you know, your, your urban areas, your uh, metros, your, you know, anything up to let's call it 600 miles from, from your DC uh, where, where we can compete on speed and price, uh, especially price with, with the nationals. Uh, and then we also work with solution providers that can help with some zone skipping. Yeah. And so if you look around, you know, take a map of the U.S. and, and plot out all the regional carriers. If you're DCs, let's say in Seattle, and you're thinking about, well, how do I, how, how would I leverage a, a regional carrier in Texas? Well, I got to get it to them first, right? Because in, in a lot of cases, they're not going to come pick it up. They're not servicing your area, and so, so I have some partners that can that can provide that additional value by uh, helping uh, with either truck or air zone skip. Uh, into the regional carrier. So now we can not only leverage the regional carrier in, in that retailer's region, but we can leverage regional carriers across the country. Yeah, I love that. I think zone skipping is often overlooked or not utilized when when done properly. It is an amazing combination if you can inject that freight to the right carrier in the right part of the United States. And if you're shipping a lot to zones six, seven, and eight, you know, it kind of depends on the product that you're shipping to. If you're shipping really lightweight product, it might not make that big of a per pack difference. And I mean lightweight, meaning like under a pound. If you're shipping uh, more than that, heavier items, bulkier items, uh, where you're being dimensionalized out, 
and you're going a lot to zone six, seven, and eight. Zone skip that if you've got enough volume. Zone skip that to a regional carrier. That is a phenomenal combo. And I'm I'm curious tomorrow on the. There's so much change happening in the regional market space right now. We mentioned at the top of the show how much money is being raised between private equity and VC VC groups that are kind of bolstering and and supporting additional growth within uh, regional carriers. What are some of your predictions for the future state of the market uh, on the parcel side? And uh, any advice for, you know, our listeners on navigating through that? Well, let's see. Um, I, I'm happy to make predictions. I'm probably going to be uh, yeah, <laughs> wrong most of the time. I love predictions. Maybe, maybe some of them will hit. But um, look, I, I, think, I think just kind of short term going into next year, we're, we're likely to continue to stay in a shipper's market uh, in 2024. So uh, what I mean by that, by shippers is the retailers, 3PLs, the, the companies that are actually shipping the parcel. They, um, you know, they're they're seeing the increased competition between the national carriers. They're seeing the increased competition and increased capacity being offered by regional carriers. All of this is against the backdrop of, again, going back to more of a normalized growth in e-commerce. So, you know, demand's kind of coming back to normal. And then you've got by capacity. I mean, it's it's pretty wide. So... I do think it's a shepherd market, which which I think will be will bode well for for the retailers. Yeah. Um, look, I think advice there is if a retailer has not gone back to market yet, right in in Q4, uh, I'd highly encourage them doing that in, in Q1. Uh, I, I think there's there's some really great opportunities to either bring on a new provider, multiple providers, or just take a look at what what the market has to offer. Uh, because we're just in a different place and we're seeing uh, deals that, you know, we, we probably haven't seen in, in, you know, since the pandemic started. Yeah, I've um, seen better well, discounts offered in the last three years, you know, four years from not just national carriers, but regional carriers as well. I think everybody's built such capacity in their networks mm-hmm. that since COVID has started to kind of normalize those shipping volumes and trends. Those those carriers are saying, hey, I, I got to keep my trucks full. I got to keep these planes full. What can I do to be able to, to 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 make that happen? And for shippers to keep an open mind, and not necessarily just, well, my rates are good, so I'm happy. Um, I I think that there is a lot more to it than that that shippers really need to be focusing on. I think that's a great call out. Yeah. I think uh, no, that's that's good. I was gonna say you probably have a great view uh, into into the market and can see all all kinds of incentives that that are you you know we're starting to see and really competitive rates that are being offered to retailers to retain and grow their business. I don't think anyone wants to retrench, right? So when you build up that network, like you mentioned, and I and I love that, right? I think it's great that these regional carriers are continuing to expand. They're performing good service. They've got good customer base. Uh, more customers that want to work with them continue to expand, but now they've got to remain competitive, right? It's it's not going to be as easy without seeing fifty percent growth in, yeah. in two or three year period, because yeah. um, I think those days are probably long gone. So we're just back to normal growth. I also do think, uh, uh, you know, one area again, my kind of longer term. Um, I don't, I don't know if you consider this a, an alternative carrier. I guess it should be considered as an alternative carrier, but get your thoughts on it too. But I think there's going to, we're going to see some increased competition just between all carriers, but one to watch is going to be Amazon. 
I mean, they've thrown their name into the ring and uh, they're back at it. They're offering shipping and competing, shipping services, competing with, with the Nationals. So I think it's going to be one to watch. There's, there's some news about it. There's, there's not enough out there. But, uh, you know, we've seen them do big things in the past and, and we know their capabilities. So it's just, you know, I think it will be one to watch. What do you think about that? I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it. Amazon's one of the only groups in the, I would say, the last 10 years that can truly compete for market share with the big regional or big national carriers of FedEx and UPS. We saw DHL try to do that when they came in after buying Airborne Express in the you know early 2000s. And there was a failure that they had in the marketplace, um, just given the fact that even them as globally, you know, they're this massive organization and, and a, a lot of money really struggled to uh, compete because it takes a lot, which means that the only company in my mind that can really kind of dismantle this duopoly is Amazon. I'm starting to see them make changes in that direction. It is not a direct one for one at the moment. But just like if you think of Amazon as like FedEx or UPS or OnTrack or LSO, they too have built capacity in their network to handle COVID more so than probably what the carriers had to have done. People relied on Amazon more than pretty much anybody else uh, e-commerce uh, business-wise. During the pandemic, Amazon built out their network to accommodate that extra capacity. Now the capacity is shrinking. And they're going to look at other places to fill their trucks and airplanes and take some of that volume away from FedEx and UPS. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think if they give shippers an option with, you know, better pricing, simplified, a little bit more simplified pricing and simplified accessorial fees with their strong service, people are going to jump at it. The challenge that I see is shippers aren't going to be able to easily identify, here's my FedEx and UPS rates. Here is it compared to Amazon. Sometimes those those data languages don't talk to each other very well. And then, like you mentioned, in terms of your operations uh, challenges that shippers face, implementing that is going to be somewhat of a challenge. But it's totally doable. And I think if I've learned anything in being transportation for 20 years like you, it is that being in a shipper's market does not always stay in a shipper's market. It's a shipper's market right now. It'll be a carrier's market in the near 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 term. And what my point is with that is strike while the iron's hot. If the carriers are willing to give you discounts and, and you can get that locked in and you've got options out there, go out and now's the time to make that work. Lock it in place. Continue to revisit it, but don't wait until it becomes a carrier market till you see your sh shipping costs start to increase to say, hey, I need to make some changes on it. Um, 100% with you. I think uh, we're, we're in the right, it's the right timing. And if anyone hasn't, hasn't gone out to the market yet, or is thinking about it, I would just say, make sure you do it in Q1. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, the other thing is, you know, as carrier diversification, you should, again, going back to my point of don't set it and forget it. Right. It's, I just think it's a continuous process, right? It's a continuous review. It's a continuous process. The business needs change. The product mix changes, where you ship from changes. And, and so continue looking and evaluating new providers and, and seeing what else is out there. Because at the end of the day, right, I mean, more knowledge is better. Uh, at least know what you, what you have and what you have an opportunity to gain. 
and, and continue to uh, continue to work on it, continue to iterate, uh, test, measure, and then implement. Right. I think it's uh, it's it's not a one once and done. It's uh, it's going to be a continually evolving process for many retailers. That's well said. Awesome, Timur. Thanks so much for joining the show. I've really enjoyed talking with you about this. I think that this is something that is extremely important for shippers to take on for 2024. Look, the stage is yours. Let our listeners know where they can get in touch with you, the best way they can reach out to you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. And one of the best ways to find me is on LinkedIn. You can connect with me or, or just hit the follow button. Uh, that's where I share a lot of content, especially about this specific topic. Uh, and then also on my website. Uh, so go to logisticsremix.com, connect with me if you're interested in learning more about what we do and uh, how we can help your business. Awesome. I love it. If anybody hasn't seen Tamur's, uh LinkedIn, you should, you should connect with him. You provide some phenomenal content. And uh, I know I've been uh, better by following it and, and checking it out. I think you, you helped me to kind of stay up, up to date on what's happening in not just the regional carrier networks, but in just parcel industry in general. So keep it going. Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for being on. You can find Leadershipping on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And one thing that would really help us out is if you leave a rating and a review if you've liked what you've heard. You can also view the episodes on Sifted's YouTube video channel and check out sifted.com for more information along with some great resources we have, such as blogs, our monthly newsletter, and some helpful guides and research on how you can reduce your shipping costs, improve transit time, etc. As always, thanks for listening. 